Women's tears fill the ocean. How has it happened that the sea and women's tears are both made up of salty water? Is the sea living inside us, waiting to pour out? Or could it be that so many women have cried as they stood on the shore, looking out, that a body of water, which was once sweet, is now brown? That was the voice of Lebena Hamid as part of her latest iteration of Zanzibar, a work made in collaboration with Magda Stavarska, and we'll be hearing more from them in this episode. I'm your host, Haral Kasimi, artist, curator, director, and president of Sharjah Art Foundation, and you're listening to our podcast, Speaking of Art. In this episode, artists Labena Hemet and Magda Stavarska take us through the themes and thoughts underlying their first exhibition in the region, Platted Time, Deep Water. With artworks from the last 25 years, it's a wonderful meandering show that shares dreams, crosses seas, salvages memories, and explores language to deal with loss and life. The curator, Dr. Omar Khalaif, tells us that the exhibition was conceived within the context of Sharjah's architecture, its soundscapes, and the feelings evoked by its proximity to the sea, and we'll be hearing more from him later. But first, let me introduce you to today's guests. Lubaina is a Turner Prize-winning artist with a five-decade career that spans paintings, sound works, installations, text works, and found objects. Magda, meanwhile, has a formidable practice combining sound with architecture and image to examine overlooked and contested narratives through her practice of inner listening. Lubaina and Magda have been working together now for eight years. Is that right? Um, yes, it's sort of complicated. We've made prints together before that, but I think eight years sounds good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds good. We're excited to be exhibiting a range of works by them, including a newly imagined presentation of Zanzibar. Zanzibar is a series of paintings that Lubaina has been making since 1998, and this iteration is accompanied by a sonic installation created by Magda. Hi Lubaina, hi Magda. Welcome to Speaking of Art. Thanks so much for joining us on our podcast. Uh, Lubaina, I want to begin by evoking this idea of Zanzibar, both the work that is central to this show and the place where you were born. Uh, Many of us are familiar with the story of your arrival in Britain as a baby, your relationships with Blackpool and Preston, and your place as a pioneering figure in the British Black Arts Movement. But I'm curious about the earlier parts of your story and about your connection with another cultural genealogy. I wonder how your connection to Africa influences you and is expressed through your art. Uh, More specifically, I suppose, what does the notion of Zanzibar mean to you? Well, of course... You know, Zanzibar does mean home, although I I never lived there, or I lived there for four months um, until my father died. Um, but I've been thinking about it a lot because we made this piece together and I made those paintings all that time ago. Um, but I think, I think I probably think about Zanzibar every day. 
You know, for many years when I was trying to build the courage, really, to go back to Zanzibar, having been born there, um, you know, in the 50s, um, I would go to all sorts of other cities to try and practice how could I be in this place? How would I cope with not belonging in this place? And so I went to all kinds of other cities and tried to uh, lay the uh, sort of, uh, and, and try to do it there. And, and then when I went back, I found that I'd so much been sort of, uh, sort of almost immersed in the architecture, in the politics, in the, even the smells and sounds that I imagined there and reading a lot of books and looking at photographs and speaking to my um, English mother as well, that when I arrived in Zanzibar, it felt as familiar as Manchester. It was kind of, oh yes, I know this place. It feels like home. But I, so I carry Zanzibar with me all the time, every day. And you can see my feeling for that place in many, many of my paintings, even though they may not be called Zanzibar or depict, say I carry it with me, is, is kind of, well, I think, the nearest I can get. That's beautiful. Um, it's interesting because Zanzibar has a strong and enduring links of trade, history and culture with the Arabian Gulf. I wonder how mounting these works in Sharjah might add another layer of meaning to them. I think that's absolutely inevitable, in a sense, because being, you know, from many, many months, you, you said to me, uh, and so did um, Omar, when you're there, when you're there in Sharjah, everything will be different. You'll understand things about the place, things about your work even, that you cannot understand by looking at the plans or looking at the photographs or even listening to you and Omar. And of course, then when I did go, when we went together, um, it, but absolutely that was right. I did understand an awful lot about myself, a lot about what I still seek out. You know, when I was in Zanzibar, I spent a lot of time on the shore looking out, looking at the boats that were coming in and out, you know, with uh, air conditioning systems or big crates or whatever on those boats. It, it wasn't so, you know, romantic like, like the books. Of course, it was very real, still a kind of um, place of trade and activity. And, um, and then when I was in Sharjah, I was seeking again boats and ports and the connection I could I could feel the connection and I think that I talk about it a little bit more later the the shops um that also I wanted to feel embedded in the place that's what happened um but I think maybe I replaced Sharjah on a temporary basis with Zanzibar in that way I'm thinking oh I could if I've imagined these other places as Zanzibar, and then I got there and it was felt familiar, then that's it was very easy to do that and very kind of um, seemed very possible to do that there. It's closer and very similar for sure. But let's listen to a clip from Zanzibar. 
The use of mosquito nets is essential throughout the year. I like to think that somehow there has been some sort of revenge for this lifetime spent without my father. Who knows whether he was clever? He was certainly bold. He played the drums, he was a teacher, he spoke excellent English and Swahili. He rode a motorbike and drove a pea-green Ford Ruins prefect. of Beit el-Ras Palace on the shore. The ruins, which were entirely covered with vegetation, were demolished in 1947, with the exception of the fine arches, which formed an immense porch at the north end. These have been restored. Magda, you've compiled field recordings from Sharjah to create the sound piece, Lost and Found takes as its starting point a novel by the American writer Gertrude Stein, in which the protagonist Ida travels around the world. You've composed versions of this work in cities around the world, combining bits from the novel with audio from the places you're exploring. Can you talk about your experience of developing it here in Sharjah? Yes. Um, so what interests me in Gertrude Stein, Ida, is, as you mentioned, Ida is geographically restless. She's either moving or sitting, taking different forms of transport. And I sort of use Ida as a sort of the rhythm, which in a way gets me going in the place and also helps me to embed myself in the place. So yes, I spent uh, five days in Shahjan in April this year. So I was there with my recording equipment. I record things with binaural microphones. So there are microphones uh, placed in, e- my, in my ear. So it's very much from a perspective of my own experience, my own body. It's, um, during my visit, uh, uh, the city was quiet. It was during Ramadan. So, so I sort of juxtaposed uh, two different type of soundscapes. So during the day, I... I really focused on all those quiet sounds and things which often maybe sounds of everyday, which we sometimes go go past them every day, but I mean, we sort of don't notice them. So I stopped, I was drawn into um, sometimes things like air conditioning systems, sort of watering systems, which are to, to keep plants in the or went to uh, empty markets. Then I was sort of focused on the f- architecture, and taking in those moments taking photographs, but the sound as well. So, so the soundscape which I created sort of woven's the quiet parts with with very busy evening recordings as well. And um, the soundscape later is given to somebody else to listen again, to listen in very quiet space with headphones on, and try to write in response to to the sound. So. So as a final piece, actually, we may not hear the soundscape, but we will read about it. And then the viewer can reimagine the experience. The same way how Ida gives me different points of entry and create new narrative, I would like the viewer to be able to, to go through experience of that sort of response to the soundscape of somebody else to again open to their own experiences and create another narrative. So it's sort of like a call and response. That sounds like a really intricate and special process and almost like we are accompanying you on your excursions through Sharjah Magda. Let's take a listen to an excerpt from Lost and Found. (laughs) 
Enjoying this episode? Why not listen to our sister series, Biennial Bites, where we hear from some of the most prominent artists practicing today. For more information on all exhibitions and events at Charge Art Foundation, please visit our website or follow us on Instagram at Charge Art. You're listening to Speaking of Art. Welcome back to Speaking of Art, the official podcast of Sharjah Art Foundation. We're in conversation with Lubaina Hamid and Magda Stavarska. Before we resume our talk with them, we have with us the curator of Platted Time, Deep Porter, Dr. Omar Khalaif, Director of Collections and Senior Curator at Sharjah Art Foundation. He's going to speak about what it means to show Lubaina's work not within the frame of Western art history that it's usually seen in, but in the context of Indian Ocean histories. Now, the Indian Ocean is the third largest ocean in the world, bordered by Asia and Africa and Australia. Within that expanse, the Afro-Asian context, which represents the ethnic global majority, i.e. the majority of the Earth's people, is contained. And although we often discuss how individuals from the Afro-Asian context are not represented in the canonical fields of art. They are not ethnic minorities. Indeed, they are the majority. Now, Leben Hamid was born in Zanzibar in 1954, and that was something that, from the outset, when considering the context of the Sharjah Biennale all the way back, as I was dreaming up the exhibition in 2017 that played a role because, indeed, the expanse of water that surrounds Sharjah, a city, an emirate on two coasts, the Arabian Gulf on one side and the Gulf of Oman on the other, it is a emirate that begs indeed demands that it becomes a point of convening for artists from a different nexus, what I call an East-East dialogue, an East-East conversation. So the idea here was to invite Lubaina, who at the very start of this process, more than four years ago, asked that Magda Starowska, one of her closest collaborators, join her on this trip through the contoured lanes and paths of the imagination and through very specific kinds of discussion about what would it mean to create an exhibition that was culturally and physically located and situated within Sharjah, but also responding to the very specific architecture, sounds, smells, and individuals who occupy the expanses of this emirate. Thanks, Omar, for giving us a sense of how Zanzibar can be located within Sharjah. Lubaina and Magda, you've collaborated for almost a decade now, straddling the life cycle of certain works. Coming back to Zanzibar, for example, it was being made before the two of you teamed up, and it has a different dimension now. Magda, can you tell us more about how you approach the process of collaborating with Lubaina? Uh, what is it like to work through ideas together? Uh, I think the conversation is always a big, big part of it. We always talk about each other's work. Um, and um, the first sort of pivotal piece which we did together was Blue Grid Test. Uh, we created in the lockdown. So we were from each other's studios talking about the piece and how it sort of it developed really organically. Like, for example, Lubaina was going to paint on a zinc piece 
different patterns which were wrapped around the room and I was creating the sound piece which will combine with that because we were in lockdown, the zinc didn't get delivered, Lubaina was painting on pieces of furniture which we found in the cellar. But we were talking about patterns, we were talking about music, we were we tried to choose the right right piece of music which would be part of the artwork and and it just sort of felt like it was a sort of a very true collaboration where something was created sort of spontaneously at the same time. With Zanzibar, it's slightly different because the paintings uh, already exist, as you said. But again, um, I've realized that we're traveling in time quite a lot. We've got a guidebook from uh, 1952, three, yeah. And also the date where memories which are connected to Lubaina's Bern in 1954. But we're going to 90s to actually moment in Lubaina's studio where she, when she was creating the paintings, there was existing material, but I was sort of trying to as well provoke Lubaina to write more texts. So almost sort of try to get her more sort of talking about the experience. And, and then we were listening to different um, uh, archival things from, um, from BBC uh, archive as well to again recreate it, the, how that sort of the studio experience in, in that particular time in Nitus when Nabena was sort of revisiting her, her memory of, of, of Zanzibar in, in mm. 90s. So, yes, I think, I think we created very, uh, I would say it's a very emotional piece. And I think what happened was that I'm very, very fond of these paintings, but they don't quite look like paintings I made before them or after them. So I never, I knew what I wanted to do with them. I just held them close to my heart, really. But with this really very reassuring sort of collaboration, um, that first, I mean, it, you're right. It first appeared in uh, Van Abba Museum, and of course, when it's in Sharjah, it will be something quite, quite different. But in um, the first iteration of it, I understood even more about my paintings because I could hear that conversation, if you like, between the past, the present, and our collaboration in the sound piece. So there was a conversation going on between me and the paintings, the paintings and the place, the place of the archive. And so what it's done for me is make me even fonder of the paintings, um, but also to understand how to be with them. But Lubaina, I was listening to an interview of yours on how you approach art making, in which you said it's about fear and failing and that you dance with fear in certain paintings. I thought that was such a strangely beautiful turn of phrase to describe your process. Um, the other thing that you brought up with regards to fear is, of course, the sea, which you engage with a lot. And in this exhibition, it's the boats that take center stage through paintings, but also an installation of shop signs called Dream Boat. Are the boats a way to take the journeys of your dreams or are they a way to come to terms with the sea to tackle the fear in a sense? Certainly the boats are about both those things and more. In terms of the Dream Boats, made her those fabulous shops in Sharjah. Um, I have to say that that project has really, I'm so happy that we were able to do that. But that was a, a point, really. I see that boats 
kind of signify possibility. Um, I guess it's kind of old-fashioned, but but they are very much about temporarily going from A to B. They are about all those um, difficult things of history, uh, of trade, trading people historically. Um, they are also about um, people who need to flee one country because the situation is very bad and try to make a new life in another country. Um, they're also um, temporary homes, sometimes permanent homes, whole communities of people, sailors, uh, make home in this sort of odd and semi-permanent place. And I think it's a place of, you're going from A to B, so you're not in A or B. You're in in this other place on the water, which is as sort of mysterious, magnificent, and as dangerous as being in outer space. And so boats seemed absolutely the right icon, if you like, for being able to expand possibilities to dream of change or to dream of a different way of living or a different world. Um, but that fear <laughs> of the sea First of all, it comes from a very banal thing that I, I can't swim. Um, and I never learned to swim properly. In England, it, when I was a child, you, you were taught to swim either in very cold water off the coast of northern England, where my grandmother lived, or in rather odd, um, tiled, dilapidated swimming pools. And I just was uncomfortable in, in those places, so I never learned to do it properly. Um, but I'd done so much painting of the sea where I was actually looking on the shore. I was looking um, uh, from ports or from bays or from cliffs, trying to kind of fathom how to paint it if you'd never seen it before. If you'd never seen the sea before, how would you paint it? And then if you've never seen paintings of the sea before, how would you paint it? And trying to understand the kind of surface of it, surface, sort of, sort of shimmering anxiety of it, and that kind of dark, deep otherworldness of it. And of course, the more I paint that and look at that, in a sense, the more frightened I become. I become more frightened of not being able to make out interesting, useful painting, and I'm more frightened of uh, perhaps exploring something that is so dark. So it's both those things, but I suppose mainly I think when audiences see boats, all the stories of boats, all the stories of travel, all the stories of, um, you know, fantasy and their histories, all our histories in a way, um, kind of, I'm hoping, will come to the fore. So they, they're there to provoke an audience's own life into the front of their minds. You spoke about the uh, shop signs and how special that was. Um, for our listeners, just to remind you, that was part of Sharjah Biennial 15, thinking historically in the present. And you mentioned earlier about thinking historically in the present throughout your process and your work. 
the shop signs were dotted around all over the Emirate of Sharjah from the central region to the west coast. And uh, it was really great to see how the connection and proximity to all the boats uh, that were across the sea um, had in relation to these shop signs. So I just wanted to put it into context again um, as a reminder of your ongoing time in Sharjah and, and research. Um, and finally, Zubaydah, um, any conversation would be unfinished without talking about your engagement with text and textiles. Uh, in this show too, there's a series of banners printed with text called How Do You Spell Change? Uh, the banner as a public forum has a history connected to both empire and activism. Can you tell us about the ideas behind these works? Yes, um, I was commissioned originally by um, the Baltic in uh, Newcastle. I think I could have made paintings and put them on the wall, but I wanted to make a um, set of works that people could enter the gallery and really physically engage with these pieces. So I took a series of paintings, text pieces, in the style of a kanga, where you have uh, a cloth kanga, where you have the uh, central image in the field section, and you have the border around the edge, and then a text to juxtapose or accompany those images. So I took that motif, made paperworks, and then transferred these paperworks onto large flags, um, more or less a little bit smaller than three meters by two meters. And then these flags were placed on ropes, um, and the ropes were then attached to the walls at the side of the gallery, and anyone who came into the room could pull on these ropes and make the poetry and the paintings, the images, go from side to side. And because there were three rows, you could make poems of your own from each of these texts. If you'd like, so you, you juxtapose one text against another or one uh, painting, painted image against another. And I wanted audiences to feel empowered by that. And they could also wrap themselves in these fabrics, which they'll be able to do in Sharjah. You could touch them, you could wrap yourself in them. You can pretend that you're in a winning Olympic team and you, instead of wrapping the uh, flag of your country around you, you wrap one of these flags around you. So it's that kind of feeling of belonging that I think probably, needless to say, I've never done it, uh, winners of Olympic medals get, you know, when they wrap themselves in the flag. It's a kind of it's a signal to the, uh, their fans, their audience, their country, but it's also a feeling of you know, protection and, um, and strength. And I was also thinking about that kind of uh, rational flag um, tradition, uh, that, that way of showing a sense of uh, solidarity. And the... Um, texts are all uh, by poets, uh, poets such as Audre Lorde or Maud Salter. And I wanted to have texts on these uh, flags that had multiple meanings, but that could be seen as um, singular or that could also work um, 
images at once. And then as you move, everything changes. The image changes because you've moved. The text changes because you've moved. And one text juxtaposes against another one that was never meant to be. But you're kind of making up your own poem and making up your own pictures and, in a sense, belonging to your own community, your own family of artists and poets as you walk around. So, yeah, I, I use text to, again, provoke and um, encourage a kind of sense of belonging in the space. Apart from the banners, the use of text is present throughout the show across a number of works. Let's take a listen to a recitation of the text from the works titled Plan B. You'll hear the voices of Omar Khalaif and John Libby. Lubaina and Magda, thank you so much for joining us on Speaking of Art and talking about your practice and the ideas that inform them. Lubaina and Magda's exhibition, Platted Time, Deep Water, is on view at Almoreja Art Spaces till the 28th of January 2024. We look forward to seeing you there.